Morning, everyone. Good morning, people at home. Have another coffee for me. I'm one cup short today. So uh, how many of you had a rough week this week? Anyone else besides someone I know? Yeah, uh, let's pray. (laughs) Thanks, God, that you didn't have a rough week, that you're totally in control, that you see us, you know us, you, uh, you want us to learn from you, to rest in you, to seek you, and find you with all of our heart. I pray today, God, that those that are still struggling with what's happened this past week would release that into your hands, would trust you with the days ahead, would know that you see them, love them, care for them, provide for them, protect them, and would guide them into your, into your presence. Uh, and I pray, God, that we would learn even from Abraham today about faith and about uh, trusting you with our life. For those that are sick, Father, I do pray for healing. I pray for your comfort and your presence. For those who are struggling uh, with the anxieties and pressures of life, I pray that you would bless them with your presence, surround them with your angels, guide them to know your love, and uh, reveal yourself to them, Father, in your word and in their prayer times, and as they listen to your message and uh, listen and maybe worship through, through the music that they sing. I pray, God, that you would continue to lead us as a church. Thank you for the wonderful time we had together in the week of prayer and for your, your guiding us, uh, pushing us forward into your will. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. So I uh, went to visit my in-laws in North Vancouver yesterday, and I should have left about half an hour earlier because from Abbotsford to Highway 17 turnoff, we got into the, the Freedom train. And, uh, and we, thousands of cars were blessing us with their horns and flags. And as we were trying to get to see my, my in-laws for my father-in-law's birthday. And I am not going to get political. I'm just going to say that I... I have come across a lot of people that might want freedom on the outside, but they don't have freedom on the inside. They're struggling on the inside with things that are just holding them back in a very real way. I mean, even more than masks and, and, and um, mandates, they're stuck. They're, they're chained. They're tied up with their past, with um, the challenges that they face, and they don't know how to release that and to be free. And when Jesus says that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I mean, I want to focus today even on being, being free on the inside so that the outside uh, isn't actually such a big deal because we know where we're headed and who is who's really guiding us uh, through all of this difficult days. Over the years, I've come to meet people who, uh, when I talk about the love of God, they, they say to me, oh, God could never love me. They feel that they've done too many bad things in their life and God couldn't possibly love them. They can't forgive themselves and they can't even imagine how God could forgive them. Have you heard that term stinking thinking? Well, you had today. <laughs> so uh, this thinking is, is kind of what Paul is going to address a little bit today because if, if a person's idea of acceptability to God is based on what they have done or have not done, then their, their thinking is off right at the beginning. There, it's not about what we have done or have not done or how bad we are or how good we are that God is looking for. He's looking for people of faith. 
that will come to him in faith and trust him to be the God he promises to be. And it says uh, we're learning that getting to heaven has never been about being good enough or doing enough for humanity. It's always been, been about putting our trust and faith in God's Son, our Redeemer and our Savior. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus did for us that we're going to be looking at today. So we're continuing in our study in the book of Romans. We've made it all the way to chapter 4. And uh, if you want to just continue to read ahead week by week, we're basically going to take one chapter at a, at a time each week. Next week, Pastor Neil is going to uh, take chapter 5, and I'm going to be up in the tank baptizing people. It's my first opportunity to baptize as your pastor, and so I didn't want to miss that. So I'm trading off with Neil uh, next week. So Paul is writing to a group of people in Rome. Uh, they formed a church in this capital city of the empire, and he, he's never been there, but he knows a lot about the struggles that they're facing. And he's writing this book or a letter to the Romans, first of all, to encourage them in their faith, but also to correct them in their belief. He wants them to understand that they're bringing a lot of baggage with them into their Christian walk. And it's not unusual. Lots of people bring baggage with them when they come to Christ. But he's wanting to free them from, from thinking that they can earn their way to heaven by being uh, through their Jewishness. And he's, he's saying that it's not about your culture or your religious laws. It's not about your past life, what you've done. It's all about faith going forward in Jesus Christ. Let go of this baggage. Let go of all these constraints that you felt you had to do to please God. So Romans chapter 4, we're going to work through uh, most of this chapter. I'm going to read a lot of it for you. It's never a bad thing to read scripture in church. I just, you know, because some, sometimes you don't have enough time during the week. And so we're going to get caught up today. Uh, verse 1. Well then, Paul is saying. So he's, Paul is going to go right back to the beginning of, of these people before they even became Jews. Like they didn't know what Jews were or Israelites were. He's going to go back to the very original person that God started with at the beginning. Not, not Adam, but Abraham. Well, then he says, what can we say about our ancestor Abraham? If he became acceptable to God because of what he did, then he would have something to brag about, but he would never be able to brag about it to God. The scriptures say God accepted Abraham because Abraham had faith in him. Money paid to workers isn't a gift. It's something that they earn by working. But you cannot make God accept you because of something you do. God accepts sinners only because they have faith in him. Verse 6 says, in the scriptures, David talks about the blessing that came to people who are acceptable to God, even though they don't do anything to deserve these blessings. And David says, God blesses people whose sins are forgiven, whose evil deeds are forgotten. And the Lord blesses people whose sins are erased from his book. And these blessings meant for the Jews... Are these blessings meant for the Jews alone or, or for those who are not of the Jews? Well, the scripture says that God accepted Abraham because Abraham had faith in him. How then was it reckoned? Being, in, uh, being a Jew or not being a Jew? Not in uh, being a Jew or... <laughs> I'm dancing around this word, uh, uh, circumcision. It always makes me wince when I, when I read that word, just to be honest. But uh, in the scriptures, they use this word circumcision 
um, to symbolize all the laws of the Jews. It's an act of, uh, that's done to males to say that they are in a covenant relationship with God. It's a sign. We'll get into that in a little bit. So he's saying, you know, is there any point to circumcision? And he's saying, actually, not anymore. Like, it used to be the symbol for being a part of the Jewish nation, the Israelites. Now he's saying, we're done with the religious ritualistic rules. So is there any benefit for being circumcised or not being circumcised? He's saying no. Verse 11, uh, Abraham received the, the sign of circumcision and a seal of the righteousness of faith while still uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all of those believing through uncircumcision, for righteousness is to be imputed to them also. Basically he's saying, Abraham was acceptable before he did anything, before he followed any rules, before any laws were even put in place. God chose him because of his faith. Verse 16, everything depends on having faith in God so that God's promise is assured by his great kindness. This promise isn't only for Abraham's descendants who have the law. It's for all who are Abraham's descendants because they have faith, just as he did. Abraham is the ancestor of us all. The scriptures say that Abraham would become the ancestor of many nations. And this promise was made to Abraham before he had faith, because he had faith in God, who raises the dead to life and creates new things. God promised Abraham a lot of descendants. And when it all seemed hopeless, Abraham still had faith in God and became the ancestor of many nations. So he's not just talking about many nations as in the Muslims and the Jews and the Christians who all look at Abraham. He's talking about anyone around the world who places their faith in God. Verse 19, Abraham's faith never became weak, not even when he was nearly 100 years old. He knew that he was almost dead and that his wife Sarah could not have children, but Abraham never doubted or questioned God's promise. His faith made him strong, and he gave all the credit to God. So Abraham was certain that God could do what he had promised, so God accepted him. Just as we read in the scriptures, but these words were not written only for Abraham, they were written for us since we, also, uh, since we will also be accepted because of our faith in God who raised our Lord Jesus to life. God gave Jesus to die for your sins and he raised him to life so that we would be made acceptable to God. So Abraham, I like this idea. Have you ever sang that song, Father Abraham, many sons? Da, da, da. Like we used to march around the platform on Parents' Day when we were little kids and singing this song about Father Abraham. And I kind of didn't really understand a lot about it at the time. It was just a catchy tune for a six-year-old. And, uh, but the Father Abraham, being our ancestor, the one we look back to, not because he started all of the Jewish people, through his lineage, but because he demonstrated incredible faith. And the Bible's telling us here, Paul is saying, he's your father too. If you have faith in God, he's the first one that really stood up, that was in a covenant relationship with God. And he's your father, my father, if we also have faith in the same God. Verse 5 says, you cannot make God accept you because of something you do. God accepts sinners only because they have faith in him. There's this, this agreement that God made with Abraham. And this agreement, it says, was ratified. There's a sign and there's a seal in verse, verse 11. To ratify this agreement, the sign, you know what a sign is when you see a sign like next to a building and it says, Lord Co., not advertising. But just, you know, you know that 
Lordco isn't on the sign. Lord, the sign is just pointing to where Lordco business is. Or a sign on the road that says danger, you know, avalanche possible. There's no avalanche probably possible at that sign, but it's, it's pointing to something else. It's telling you that there's a business here or there's danger there or this is where your gate is going to be at the airport. All these signs are always pointing to something else. So the sign was circumcision. It pointed to a covenant relationship that God had made with Abraham at the very beginning. And anyone who would follow in Abraham's footsteps, there's a sign for them. And there's also a seal, it said. So a seal uh, is something that authenticates. If you have have you ever used those wax things and you put your, your family uh, letter on there and you put it on the back of an envelope and it's kind of, it's a fancy thing? Back in the day when they, and kings would put a seal over the, the enclosure of an envelope or a document, nobody was allowed to open that except for the person that it was addressed to. It, was, it says, this is from the king. This is an important document. A wax seal, you know, confirms who the sender is. A royal seal confirms the document to be authentic. And it's confirming something to be genuine. So here, even back in Abraham's day, the sign was circumcision saying, I'm part of this covenant. But the seal came, it says, through righteousness. Righteousness brought about by faith. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, saying that your faith has been proven genuine. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This sign and the seal, the sign I think today is probably the, the cross is something that keeps us pointing to Jesus, pointing to our, his redemptive act on the cross. But the seal, proving it to be authentic, is the Holy Spirit living in us. It still happens today. So if, if, you've, if you've never really experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe we need to talk about your relationship with God because if the Spirit is not there, the presence of God is not in your life, and then maybe you have not fully committed your life. We'll talk about that at the end of this message as well. So verse 13, it says, The promise that Abraham would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. It seems like we're having a, this record <laughs> replaying verse, or chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Paul keeps trying to convince them that it's not what you do. It's not the law you kept. It's not the religious activities you're doing. It's the faith that you, you put your faith in Jesus that is all. That's, that's what we're going for. That's the proof. And then when the presence of the Spirit in, in your life ratifies that, your, your faith is genuine. So Father Abraham is just not the father of the Jews, but every single person for eternity that has placed their faith in God. Galatians 3, chapter 5, Paul writes, Then uh, God was supplying the Spirit to you and working powerful works in you, and it is by uh, is it by works of the law or hearing of faith, he says. Even as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that those of faith, these are the sons of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the nations through faith, preached the gospel before to Abraham, saying, in this you shall, shall all nations be blessed. So then those of faith are blessed 
with faithful Abraham. The faith that Paul is talking about, we read in verse 20 of this chapter 4, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So this, this promise that God had given to Abraham, that you're going to be a father of many nations, he's like 100 years old. And uh, thinking, I don't know how it's going to happen, God, that you're going to make me a father of many nations. I'm 100. My wife is well past childbearing ages. But, but still, he said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to believe what you're asking of me, and I'm going to change my life, and I'm going to follow you because I don't know why. Because I, I trust you to be true to who you say you are and what you say, will say you will do. It's hard sometimes to, to step out in faith and to believe that God is really speaking to us, that he's got a plan for us, that he has something for us he wants us to be involved in in his, in his kingdom. And there's, in my experience, there's a, I look out over the Christian community and I, and I see Christians who, who are all in. Um, they have, they have their faithful prayer times. They have the times where they, they, they we search through the scriptures for a word from the Lord, just reading it out of joy, just you know, reading the Psalms in the morning, say, well, that's, I love that. I love what, what David is saying or what he's, how he's crying out to God, and, and I can do that too. Uh, they, they, they serve, they participate in what's going on. Um, they're living lives, trying to live out their faith, making a difference in their workplace or school or community, whatever way God directs them. When they come to worship, you can see those that are engaged. You can kind of look around and, and see that some people have come to really worship, to meet with their God, to offer him their praise, and, and to humbly submit again their lives into his hands each, each week. But I also see that there's other Christians who mostly have good intentions, but somewhere along the way, they, they quit trying to read their Bible because it's, it, it's too hard to understand, or no ordinary person can really understand it, or they never really got much out of it anyway. Um, they never really got into prayer because, you know, God didn't do everything I said the last time I, I prayed to him, so maybe prayer doesn't even work. What's, what's the point of prayer? Or they've never really learned what prayer is all about, how to, how to communicate with God in a way that brings that intimate relationship. They, they come to church, they sing the songs, but they really haven't taken time to know the God that they're singing to. It's, it's more of a, a Sunday thing. This is what we do. We go to church. They go through the motions, think that there probably is more to the Christian life than they're experiencing, but kind of just coasting. And it's it's just the way it is. I think it's always been that way, that some people dive in, they dig in, they go deep, and others are just kind of just hanging out on the surface level of what Christianity is. Verse 7, Paul quotes Psalm 32. It says, God blesses people whose sins are forgiven, whose evil deeds are forgotten. And the Lord blesses people whose sins are erased from this book. In this psalm, David is referencing another part of what happened earlier in the scriptures, and he talks in more detail in Psalm 106. 
But he was talking about a time uh, where another person's faith was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham didn't do anything, and God saw his heart and his faith and credited him as righteous before him. He didn't have to follow any rules or do anything uh, spectacular. But there's another person, and I hadn't really seen this passage, and uh, if you have sensitive ears, uh, you can turn it, turn it off or cover your head because this is um, a little bit of a tricky story to, to preach about. But uh, there's a guy named Phineas. And it, back in the day when God was taking the people out of Egypt and marching them through to the promised land, and then they, they decided to sin and rebel, follow after other gods, actually intermingle with other people, and he had expressly forbidden them from doing that. And sin was, was rampant. I, they just totally, it's like they had lost control. And God said, sin brings death. Sin has to be dealt with. And so he sent a plague. The Bible says that 24,000 people had died amongst God's people because of their sin and because of the plague. It was so bad, the way the story reads is that Moses and Aaron, the high priest, and Phinehas, his grandson, were, were, were watching all of the, what was going on. The people began to cry out because the plague was killing their families. And uh, some guy goes to, comes into the camp bringing a Midianite woman, and they go into his tent. Um, they weren't going to play parcheesi. They were going to do other things um, that were immoral. And it says that Phineas was so enraged by the blatant sin of this couple. Not only were they <laughs> in fornication, but it was intermingling with other races that would take them away from God. He, he grabbed his javelin, he marched in after them, and he pinned them to the ground. And the Bible says that the plague stopped. And God credited his actions as righteous because he stood up for what was right. He brought back the fear of the Lord into the camp and saved thousands of people's lives because of his action. It wasn't the fact that he had taken the javelin and, and put judgment on these two. It was the fact that he was so driven by his faith and trust and love for God that I believe it drove him to do something very, I don't know what Moses and Aaron were thinking at the time. I think they were standing there and Phineas probably says, I'll take care of this. <laughs> Let me handle this. And he goes and he deals with the blatant sin in the camp. His passion for God caused him to act. And God counted it as righteousness for him. So what is this faith we're talking about? What, what kind of faith is God looking for so that we can be counted as righteous before him? Abraham's faith, it says, never became weak, not even when he was nearly 100 years old. He knew he was almost dead. His wife couldn't have children, but he never doubted or questioned God's promise. What was this promise? promise we find in Genesis 12. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country Leave your family, leave your father's house, and go to a land that I'll show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. When he said that, he would never have thought about 
people in Maple Ridge being blessed because of his faith. His faith blessed the entire world for generation upon generation, for thousands of years. What he did has impacted everybody. It's an interesting passage in John's Gospel, chapter 8, where Jesus is, he is fighting with the religious leaders. I don't say fighting. They were fighting with him. He was just responding to them. And there's a bit of, a, of a, an interplay. They're arguing, John 8, at 56. Uh, he says this to these uh, religious leaders. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw and he was glad. And, and the Jews said to him, you're, you're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, before Abraham came into being, I am. I'm like, what? He's, he's saying something here like he and Abraham uh, knew each other. And I don't know if it was through vision. There were some uh, we call anthropomorphisms where Jesus did um, probably come into um, a human form. Several times it said angels had talked to Abraham. There was a, a, someone else in the fire with a, uh, the three faithful people in, the, in Babylon were thrown into the furnace. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't know if Jesus was that guy or not, but somehow through faith and through um, through that relationship with God, Jesus and Abraham had a connection. You can read the commentators to see what they say. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. And it was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. This Abraham guy is quite a, a character. I haven't had a, a lot of study on him in, in the past, but to see the incredible moment that he said, you know what? I'm going to believe, and I'm going to leave my home, leave my family, leave my country, and follow after this God that says he wants to do something amazing in my life. He just reoriented everything about him to follow God. This is the kind of faith that God is looking for. It's not just a casual faith that says, yeah, I believe there is a God. It's a faith that says, I'm following God with my life. I put my life in his hands. I want God to make a difference in me and through me. It's not I can go to church now and maybe not for the next six months or next year. It's like this is a, a desperate attempt to know God, to, to be in his presence, to worship him, to be with his people. This is the kind of faith that God is looking for. It's, very, it's similar to the word belief. We have faith. We have belief. Belief that God is who he says he is. Belief that God will do what he says he will do. Belief that if we trust him with our life, our future, and our kids, our situations, he will come through for us. We can trust him to do what he says he'll do. Believe that he is faithful and righteous and loving and active, defending and blessing those who trust him. And we reorient our lives according to our belief. Belief, faith, another word is trust. We can go on to the next slides there. Trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability and strength of someone else. I, I trust that my mom's going to show up after my basketball game to pick me up and take me home because she's proven herself faithful ever since. And uh, every time she said she was going to come, she showed up. I trust her. We place our confidence in someone. I remember my dad was started a Bible school in our church in Saskatoon, and he was trying to get other pastors to come and teach because he couldn't teach all the classes. 
and uh, didn't have a lot of money. We weren't charging a lot for, for these, uh, this training school. And he called a pastor in Edmonton and said, would you come uh, like once a month and would you teach in, in, in the school? And the, and the pastor says, well, that's a, a lot of money. I can't really drive. I'd have to fly. Can we, we got enough money? And my dad says, uh, we don't have any money, but we're going to believe God will provide. And the pastor said, Henry, I don't believe it's going to work out, but based on your faith, I'll say yes, and I will come. And that stuck with me ever since, that that pastor didn't have the faith that God would provide, but he had faith that my dad had faith, <laughs> trusted my dad's faith. I want to be that kind of guy that people say, I can't quite, I'm not there yet in my faith, my, my level of belief, I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure, but man, you're confident, and I like your belief in God, and I like your trust. I'm going to say yes, uh, and I'm going to trust based on your faith. There's a story I read about a boy uh, and a father. I think they were trying to uh, escape somewhere or, or go somewhere, but the, they had to go over a fence and down over a ledge, and it was dark, and it was like a pit that they had to go into. The sun was going down. The dad, dad says, I'll go first. And he jumped over the fence down into the lower ground. And he says, okay, now you jump. And, and the boy says, I can't see you. I, I'm, I, I'm afraid to jump. I can't see you. And the dad says, that's okay. I can see you. Jump. And I guess that's some, somehow the faith that we're looking for is that we can't always see what's going to happen down the road, but we trust the one who knows. Trust the one who's called us. Job and Job 13 says, though he slay me, I will still trust in him. Even if God takes my life, even if, if everything goes horribly wrong, I'm still going to trust him. Psalm 46, 2 says, we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea because we know who we're trusting in, who's causing the earthquakes and who's causing the mountains to crumble. Psalm 9, 10 says, those who know your name will put their trust in you, O Lord, because you've not forsaken those who seek you. The last word in this list is Commitment. Faith, trust, belief, and commitment. Commitment to me is dismissing your doubts. It's saying, I'm just going to go for it. There's a young lady who played uh, volleyball for Trinity Western. She was a friend of my older son. And uh, he had been sharing his faith with her, and, and, and I, she might have been involved in a, a Bible study on campus, I think. And at one point, she says, I guess i got to make a choice. And she says, okay, I want to be all in. And uh, what's next? <laughs> and he says, well, if you're going to be all in and you're going to believe, then we need to get you baptized. So I actually had the privilege of baptizing her at uh, Burnett Fellowship Church with their waterfall baptism. What a nice baptistry they had there. Uh, the only time I've done a baptism at Burnett. And, uh, but I liked her. I'm all in. What's next? I think it's a great question to ask. What comes next? What does the Lord require of me? Where's my assignment for today? How can I show his love to others this week? I don't want to be on the fence anymore. I, I want to I cross over. I want to be all in. I want to take that step of faith, and I want to see God do what he says he will do. I want to be all in, turn my life over to Christ, put my now and my future into his hands. So why do you need to know this? <laughs> That's the theme of our, our whole uh, series of messages. Because your faith opens the door for God 
to lead you and to bless you and to protect you and to help you in your times of need. It's, it's your faith. Uh, where is your faith? What is your faith in? Are you wavering? Are you doubting? Or are you all in? Are you ready to say, okay, God, I trust. Okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to give my life to you, my future, my family. I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing and you'll help me through this time. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father God, sometimes things look scary. They look beyond our control and we doubt you. We doubt that you can make a difference in our life, our family. Things seem so out of control sometimes, so out of our... uh, We can't even imagine how things can work out. Yet you change people from the inside out. You change hearts. You change a stony heart into a heart of flesh, the one that would be sensitive and willing to follow you and to seek you. Father God, I'm praying that you would give us faith, that you would increase our faith, that you would establish our faith, that you would help us to believe in you, to trust in you, and to be fully committed to you, and that you would take MRAC and you would impact this entire city that we would, we would be so faithful, God, that, that we would see incredible things and that people would know you are here. They walk into the doors of this church and they would sense your presence already. Not even talking to someone, just know that you are alive and well through MRAC, that you are taking your people that have been called out of darkness, that are children of faith uh, just like Abraham, and are stepping out, trusting in you, committing their lives to you, their futures, their present, everything, It's all you. Father, help us to be all in. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.